Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Good morning. It's time for Hawk Fanatic, brought to you by Patrick Eads. At Deary Brothers Ford on Mormon Trek. Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for cars. Now, Mike's E-Keys for cars. Uh, GT Car and his crew at Supel's Building and Remodeling. Supel's Flowers, home of 1-800-800-ROWS. The Midtown Family Restaurants. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. Also brought to you by the Sanctuary Pub on South Gilbert. Premier Automotive in North Liberty. The Oxyokin and the Amanas. Streets Maintenance. Wild Rose Casino in Clinton. And Dr. Lance Forbes Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids. Here's Tom Souter and Pat Hardy from HawkFanatic.com along with Coach Don Patterson. Well, Coach, uh, good morning. I guess uh, the old adage is applicable here today. Uh, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Hawks win. Yeah, that's true. It's okay for it to be ugly, or as you've heard me say before, there are no style points. You don't get credit just for being prettier with your win. You simply need to win. Well, and we did that. Um, Hawkeyes sit at uh, five and one. I think um, many of us, maybe even most of us, thought that was. probably where we were going to be at this point of the season. And here we are with a tough game coming up. Uh, uh, Give us a few of your thoughts from the game last Saturday against Purdue. Well, I I figured that Purdue would present us with some problems. I I thought they had uh, a good quarterback that was uh, more than capable of extending plays. Uh, They had a couple of good receivers that are veteran players and, and no for sure, how to run routes and how to catch the ball, and um, and they presented us with problems in the past, of course. Uh, but thankfully, this game looked a little bit like the game a year ago, and that was kind of a coming out party for Caleb, as you recall. Mm-hmm. And um, and this year as well, we we actually had five explosive plays in the game. We had a hundred yards on two runs by Caleb, 
And then we had, um, I forget the exact number, but I know that, uh, that Eric Hall had three explosive plays himself. Uh, one in the 30s, 33, 27, and 23, I think it was. But we had a total of five compared to their three plays. So we won on explosive plays, and that's, that's another good stat to have on your side. Just giving you an idea of how the game played out, pretty even in a lot of ways. But of the top 15 parameters, we won seven of them. Uh, and Purdue did win six. We had a couple of ties. But I have to say this, the seven we won in general were ranked a little bit higher than the six that they won. And that's one reason we won the game, of course, is we had those those kind of things in our favor. So, Don, how big do you think the the Iowa defensive line obviously owned the line of scrimmage, six six sacks. They had three coming in, none against FBS, 12 tackles for loss. I mean, wasn't that a – obviously that was a big part in controlling this game, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I cited that as the number one reason we won the game. Sure, yeah. Uh, or as I put it, our DLM was on a mission, mm-hmm. uh, and they very definitely won the battle of pass protection. In other words, can they pass protect better than we can pass rush? You have to say the pass rush beat the protection. Yes. Uh, and I felt a little bit sorry for Carter at times because he was doing his best to stay alive and extend plays. Uh, and let's give some credit also to our coverage unit. That's, yeah. Units, because several of those, I had it down, uh, it depends on your opinion, of course, but of those six sacks, uh, I had three of them for sure as coverage sacks and a couple of them for sure as pass rush sacks. In other words, we quickly got on the quarterback. He didn't have time to find anyone. But at least in three occasions, he did have time. He said we couldn't find anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was impressive, I've watched Card this year, and when he can't find anyone, lots of times he'll just take off and gain 15, 20. Iowa didn't let him do that. There didn't seem to be any escape route for him. So what do you attribute that to? Obviously, it's good coaching, good scouting, good preparation. Well, one tribute, uh, there was a time when we, we did have a linebacker spying on him for mm-hmm. sure, and that helps. You know, think of it this way. Even when you, um, well, the best example, I guess, is when you don't bring pressure. Let's just imagine you bring four. Um, but just for the sake of argument, let's say they have four receivers that are that are split away from the formation. In other words, you know, a couple of wide receivers and a couple of slot receivers mm-hmm. that are removed from the offensive line. If you rush four, that leaves you with, with seven defenders, of course. Uh, one way you can play is what we call two-man. You know, you can man up with five of those defenders on those five receivers and then have a couple of safeties as security over the top. But what you saw out of us some of the time, you saw us uh, go man-free. In other words, we only have one deep safety. Mm-hmm. And then if you have five manned up on those five receivers, that gives you one more defender, right? Mm-hmm. And we did, we did two different things with that one defender. There were times when we spied on the quarterback. In other words, we had a man assigned to him. Mm-hmm. So even when he pulled the ball down and thought about running, there was a guy that was basically mirroring his movement and that was in position to maybe make a play on him after just a few short yards of gain or maybe no gain at all. The other coverage that I saw at least once, if not a couple of times, I noticed for sure one time, we played what I call man-free robber. Let me explain what that is. Uh, man-free says the free safeties, the center fielder, the the free defender, but the other safety simply on the snap sinks into a linebacker position that puts himself in position to rob those in routes. You might recall they hit an in route early in the game. 
They might run some slants also over the middle of the field. Well, if one of the safeties is sneaking into that position, then obviously he's in position to maybe even intercept that pass. Mm -hmm. And it only takes one or two times to see robber coverage, as we call it, for a quarterback to be really nervous about throwing the ball over the middle of the field, you know, 10 or 15 yards downfield, because he might not be able to see and account for that free defender that's in a robber position. And obviously another huge stat from the game, 181 rushing yards for Iowa, 96 for Purdue. Iowa had, you know, you can use that, oh, if you take this carry out and this carry out. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's part of I mean, they broke a couple big, big long plays. And I donned the 67-yard touchdown run, great read by Caleb, also great blocking. Talk about that play. Well, you're right. We, um, uh, first off, two things in our favor. I remember number 66 in particular. Is that Stevens? Bo Stevens had I'm some. Not sure. um, I'm not sure if he's 66, but he did have two huge blocks. I know what you're talking about. I can picture one. He yeah, just on smothered the defender. Play, yeah, yeah. I give I give a Caleb credit for seeing daylight yep. and and bending the ball back, uh, but I also give credit to number 66 because he got a nice clearing block. He worked up to the next level, as we call it. He did. That was Bo know, Stevens. That, yeah, up to that linebacker level and and. Um, he got a piece of a lineman that was trying to fall inside and make a play, mm-hmm. and he got good contact on him. And that gave Caleb to get out the gate, uh, and honestly, to never get touched on the play. Uh, they were playing man coverage, and you've heard me talk about the advantages of playing zone coverage. That's primarily what we do, and the reason is you've got all eyes on the on the ball, uh, and the corner who was manned up on our receiver. He was so preoccupied with our receiver, he didn't even realize that that he lost leverage uh-huh. on Caleb. Caleb went outside of him. He was the widest defender on the field. And when Caleb got cleared outside of him, the race was on. And um, Caleb was not even touched on that play. No. So uh, credit to our blocking and credit to Caleb for seeing daylight and taking it. And you've heard me say before, one thing that makes Caleb a good home run hitter is he's got deceptively long stride length. He does. Which means he's probably running a little bit faster than the defense realizes. And as a result of that, sometimes defenders take poor angles. And the next thing you know, he's got him outplanked. And he's off and running down the field. And, and that happened on that play. And it happened a little bit on that 33-yarder as well. A poor man's Eric Dickerson. Kind of how I look at He looked good. Yeah. Yeah, so. He's got those big yeah, stretches. Similar to Eric Dickerson. That's the example I've used in the past is... Not saying he's Eric Dickerson by no. any means, but he kind of has that stride thing that Eric does. And then LaShawn had 74 yards on 13 carries. I mean, 134 for Caleb, 74 LaShawn. That is winning football. If you can do that every game, they're going to win, but obviously they won't. Well, the other thing is, too, uh, uh, Tyrone Tracy was absolutely a complete non-factor. Well, he got hurt. Well, I know, but it, yeah. well, when he played, he wasn't getting anything. Well, yeah, but he only – I mean, yeah, I get you, but he only had four touches. So, I – I mean, Devin Mockaby had he had almost 100 yards rushing, but uh, the, his backup had 39 yards rushing. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, they knocked Tyrone out. He just didn't have a – I mean, he was out in the first quarter. You, you saw him, that yeah, play. Let me give credit. Let me give credit, too. I'm pretty sure the guy that did it, it was Jamari Harris. I think you're right. So, I think you are right. I say that. I'm pretty sure he did not come back in the game. You remember the he play. came back in for one play, Don. He did because someone in the okay, press box, says, and back. then they took him right back out. He just did not look right after that. Gotcha. Well, he was catching a pass in the flat, but Jamari, to his credit, 
this came up, and I think he did ring his bell. Uh, it was a very physical hit on the part of Jamari. Matter of fact, he had another hard hit on another play in that game. So Jamari impressed me. He's a little harder hitter maybe than what I realized. Mm-hmm. But he had a couple of really nice hard hits in that game. That did rattle some teeth, I think. Now here's a depressing stat. As little as Tyrone played, and he plays running back, he had one catch, which is more catches than any Iowa wide receiver had. Here's the Iowa receiving stats. Okay, targets. Eric All, 11, Caleb Johnson, 2, Deontay Vines, 3, Reganey, 2, Seth Anderson, 2, LaShawn Williams, 1. Receptions, Eric All, 5, Caleb Johnson, 1. That's it. All had 97 of the 110 passing yards. Caleb Johnson had 13. Don, I wrote something yesterday, and it's triggered some emotions back and forth. I mean, I've been very critical of Brian Ferentz. You guys know. I mean, I've written plenty of things. But I thought this game Saturday was more on execution than it was on Brian Ferentz. And I'm not defending him or whatever, but there's been other games where I've been like, God, you got to let these players have a chance to win. I didn't feel that way Saturday. I thought the players didn't execute in some of those plays, and there's nothing Brian Ferentz can do. I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, there's an element of truth to what you say. Um, you know, a prime example for me, I remember uh, way back in time, you know, when I was calling plays for Western Illinois, uh, I appreciated that the guys had a lot of confidence in our ability to outsmart the other team and call good plays. That was our goal to do that, of course. But I would have to remind them from time to time, uh, guys, uh, we're going to call the best plays we could think to call in any given circumstance. But you have to never, ever forget the fact that even the best play calls do require good execution. Yes. And, and that's where you come into the game. You come into play. And uh, and obviously, uh, those incompletions, there were times for sure when it was on on our quarterback mm-hmm. that he's got to make a more accurate throw. There were other times when receivers simply, simply didn't have good separation from the defenders. Yeah. That and that makes it point. even tougher. Or, or maybe it even forces the quarterback to throw the ball away. Now, uh, ten drops, too. I've yeah. counted in the last two games. Yeah. Ten. After the Michigan State game, we were saying uh, last Monday that, uh, you know, it looked like Deacon was just maybe a little bit too amped up with his first real action uh, at the right. University of Iowa. But it looked like the same thing he was happening. He looked more amped up in this game. Yes, he did. Imagine what he's going to be like against Wisconsin, where he used to play. And it makes you a little bit uh, nervous. What were your thoughts? I mean, is he just pressing too hard? That's what Kirk said. Yeah, I think so. I know. I believe the announcers used the analogy. Uh, it's like a golfer that's so anxious to hit a 300-yard drive. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's squeezing the life out of the out of the club, and of course, that gives you a chance to not hit it where you want to hit it. And the same thing could apply to a quarterback that's really trying to gun the football uh, into a certain spot. Uh, you heard me talk about. Spencer in the past sometimes sure. yeah. when he had to throw hard, the ball tended to come out a little bit early. Just imagine that release point being just a little, a little too early in his throwing motion, and at that point, of course, the ball is going to sail. Another example would be in baseball, a pitcher that's trying to throw a fastball. Yep. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with a high fastball. Of course, it's a little harder to hit uh, than a fastball that's lower in the strike zone. Uh, but the negative, of course. If you were trying to catch it, it might be a little tougher to catch because if you're not able to catch it, it's actually going to be tipped up into the air. And, of course, those end up as interceptions far too often. So that's the reason we always 
uh, emphasize keeping the ball down, especially on inside breaking routes, like slam routes and big routes, things like that. Uh, you got to be sure the ball doesn't skip off that receiver's fingers and go to a defender. And I know, Don, you've said before, and actually Chuck Long said this too, yes, at this level, receivers should be able to catch really hard throws. But like you've said, Don, why make it harder than it has to be? I mean, don't make it, make it as easy as it can be to catch the ball because it's so hard to do everything else. Well, watch the guys on Sunday the way they play. The quarterback, of course, they're being paid millions of dollars to sure. do what they do. They do it better than anyone else. But a really good quarterback, whether you're talking about Mahomes or Tom Brady or, or any other, other good quarterback, Josh Allen comes to mind. They all understand if you can get the ball to a receiver that's running in full stride, if you can take a little pace off the throw and get it on target, that's even better. And I used the analogy last week. That means throwing a football rather than throwing it 75 miles an hour, just taking a little pace off and throwing it 70 miles an hour. It's easier to catch. But for that matter, you should be able to put it on target a little bit better, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the ideal, is when you have a chance to take a little pace off the ball, do it, give a guy an even higher percentage of catch uh, to make that play an even better percentage of success. And I know, Don, you've said many times when I ask you, what do you hope to see from Brian's play? You're like, I hope they come out and take some chances and are aggressive. I thought they did Saturday. I mean, their first series didn't go anywhere, two incompletions and one run, but they went downfield. They just didn't execute. I thought he had a somewhat aggressive, I'm not going to say it was imaginative or anything, but it was aggressive. They, weren't, they didn't seem like they were just playing to lose because they had a back, playing to win because they had a backup Playing not to lose, what I'm saying, because they had a backup. They didn't seem like they went in with this attitude, oh, we got to be very careful. They let him sling it. Didn't you Didn't you see that? Yeah, and let's go all the way back to week one, week two. I said, even against Utah State, I said, one thing I'm glad to see is that we took some shots down the field. Now, we haven't had a good percentage return on them yet, but, you know, you can't steal second with your foot on first. So we're trying to make big plays. And one way to do that, of course, is simply try to throw it over the defense. Um, one comment I'll make, the second play of the game was pretty telling. Nothing wrong, like you say, with taking a shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the thing that our quarterback has to remember, a deacon on that play, to go back and look at it, he dropped back and he looked left the entire time that he was throwing left. The only problem with that, they were playing man-free coverage. The free safety was the last line of defense. Mm-hmm. He was unusually deep. He might have been lined up. 18 to 20 yards deep down the field. Uh, but the problem with the play in terms of execution, Deacon dropped back and he didn't look anywhere but left. Well, guess who's sitting over the top of that throw? That free safety had the best chance to intercept. He had a better chance to catch it than we did. And thankfully, we overthrew him too. But the point is, you cannot, the, the quarterback has to control that free safety with his eyes. If you push that, want to throw left? That's fine, but you need to start off by looking right and moving that free safety away from where you're going to throw the ball. Hope that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes, makes total perfect sense. sense. You see it all the time on NFL games, the announcers talking about. Now, obviously, that's something that the Iowa coaches have seen, too, and they'll evaluate the film, and, what, and he'll work on that going into Wisconsin. I mean, this is going to be a tough dynamic, This a tough circumstance. you got a kid who's barely played going to face the school that he transferred from because he wasn't playing there, and now it's up there. I mean, what do you say to Deacon Don – going into this game you got to tell him you you want him to be aggressive but you also how worried are you that he's going to press too much in this circumstance and let the circumstances get to him 
Well, I would remind him, uh, this game is not all about you, Deacon. Yes. Uh, and I understand. Uh, it would be logical that you might be um, determined to set the record straight with Wisconsin. You, you can't do that. Because at that point, maybe you will be too emotional and, and, and not as logical as you need to be with your thinking. So please understand, it's still all about getting to the, getting the ball to the guy that deserves it the most. If it happens to be a guy deep downfield, fine. Throw it. But just be sure you're putting the ball to the guy that deserves it the most because that's what good quarterbacks do. They distribute the ball, and they give us the best chance to win because if it deserves to go to a deep receiver, it's thrown to it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if it deserves to be thrown short, you throw it short. You do what's in the best interest of the offense. Now, Coach, did you have you had a chance to look at the Wisconsin Rutgers game yet? I've looked at only a few highlights here and there. Uh, I haven't done the analytics on the game, so I do have an idea of how the game went. Uh, let me pull those up right quick and just talk about. I mean, Rutgers outscored them thirteen to seven in the second half, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, if you look at the top ten parameters, Wisconsin won five. And Rutgers actually won four. So it's interesting that it was that even. Uh, let's go back to the play that made the difference in that game, of course. Uh, and, again, again, it gets down to a quarterback making a, a very costly mistake. Uh, they were down on the goal line. I think they were certainly inside the 10. At the time, it was 10 nothing Wisconsin. And they ran a pick pass, or a rub route, as we call them. Uh, and they were calling it because they expected man coverage in the secondary. Uh, it was going to be a, an inside receiver that was breaking outside, and the outside receiver was going uh, to provide a rub for the man coverage on the inside receiver. There's only one problem. Wisconsin wasn't playing man. They were playing zone. And that corner simply sat outside where his man went inside, and he read to the quarterback. He had his eyes on the quarterback, and as soon as the ball was thrown outside, he stepped in front of the Wisconsin receiver uh, that it was intended to go to. And, of course, it was a 95-yard interception return. And that play, you might even argue that was a 14-point swing mm-hmm. in the game because if it would have been man, maybe they would have scored on the play with the, with the proper rub route. Uh, it wasn't. It was zone. The quarterback at that point, even if he has to eat the ball, he does that. He simply can't throw the route because the guy's in position to come right across the receiver's face, mm-hmm. intercept it, and run for a touchdown. So at the very least, Rutgers would have gotten three, I would think. So they could have been down 10-7 or 10-3 after that possession. Instead, they were down 14 nothing. I'm sorry, 17 nothing. 17-0, yeah, at halftime. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm not overly confident about Iowa Saturday, but this is not a great Wisconsin team by any means. This no, is a, I, Just from what I've seen, Don, I mean, how important, and I know I ask you this all the time, but how important is running the football going to be? I mean, is it going to be the one thing that they have to do to have any chance? When I say run, do they need to get 125 to 150? Well, I've always said, even in others, when Wisconsin was known as the very best, one of the best running teams in the league, I've always said you don't have to outrush them. No. But it's at least, the numbers have to be at least competitive. Uh, and I feel that's the case this year, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is uh, a very, very good backup running back is out for the season. Yes. The Big bad loss. news is the starter is still there. Mm-hmm. And that third-team running back is pretty good also. 
so they still have a pretty good one-two punch at running back, especially the starter. I would consider him one of the very best backs in the conference. Braylon Allen. Yeah, uh, he's outstanding. So we don't have to outrush him, but we do have to be competitive. Here's my bigger concern. Let's talk about the difference of the two backs. And I think I think the good news is they really are talking about our two backs. They really complement each other well. Uh, I think it's safe to say that our starter, uh, Caleb, has uh, maybe the best home run potential of any back on our on our roster. I think that's safe to say because he's had some long runs in the past, had some last weekend. So that's good. That's good to know. Uh, but the only negative right now associated with Caleb's 17 snaps last week, 100 yards on two plays means we had 34 yards on the other 15 yeah, carries. Yeah. So that's a 2.2 per carry. Uh, that's not what we look for in terms of efficiency with our running game. Efficiency, you might recall, in general, the definition is running for four yards or more. Uh, I would qualify that to say if you only if it's third and two and you only need two and you gain two, that's an efficient play. If you made a first down, it's still efficient, even though you didn't gain four. But if it's a first down play, efficiency is defined as a gain of four. And obviously, if it's second and eight, again, efficiency would be okay with four yards on second and eight. Uh, so here's my point. I do think the more efficient uh, running plays might be those calls for LeJean. Yeah, you can make that case. Think about that. I'm sure he had more than uh, – he had better efficiency on his series. I think he had 13 for 74. Yeah, any his longest was 17. Were, his longest run was yeah, 17. Yeah, any number of those series were for four or five and six yards. Yeah, those were big runs. Yep. And so you've heard me say before, even with our freshman running backs, I like the way they're, they're running the ball in tight quarters because – they recognize we don't have big running lanes, but I got to try to make the most I can just by trying to, uh, you know, knife my way through this little small opening and find a way to stay on my feet a little bit longer, fight for the extra yard. So I think Leshawn gives us that. And in that regard, they're a good one-two punch because they're a little different running style. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a place for both of them. Both of them can help us win. And let's not forget, Jay Patterson, when he was hurt, was was number two pushing Caleb. I mean, he was their number one option against Iowa State. Broke off a long run. He was their yeah, featured his back. Style is very similar to channels. And he's a chance he could be back this week. I'm here. So I mean, they're gonna and he'll fit back in. It's gonna be interesting to see how they kind of ease him back. Because I mean, he was playing. I mean, he like I said, when he went down, he was maybe their our hottest back at the time. Yeah. And let's not forget too. There's another person that's in the in the in the mix here that has something to do with the right player being in the game at the right time. Uh, if it's a situation that maybe fits Leshawn a little bit more, you can bet that our running back coach Lizell mm-hmm. Betts is going to be aware. This is a play that suits Leshawn's skill set maybe a little better than Caleb's. Caleb can use a blow anyway. Uh, let's put Leshawn in there, and I think in general. Uh, the north-south plays that are maybe better suited for LaShawn are a little more likely to be called when LaShawn's in the game. I don't want to suggest that that's a scouting report for Wisconsin because they can still certainly run the same plays uh, that the other player runs and still have good results. But in general, I think uh, Liddell's going to do a good job of having the right back in the game at the right time. 
Now, um, I haven't seen Tanner Mordecai play in the last couple of weeks. I've seen him play maybe in two games. What stood out to me the most, because I kept thinking, oh, here we, this guy's just going to sit in the pocket and sling it. No, this guy can move. His maybe, legs. Maybe even better than Hudson Card. So, Don, talk about the challenge that he poses, of course, as a passer. But to me, I'm more concerned about his ability on broken plays. You've seen Mordecai play. Yeah. Yeah, I have. You know, the interesting thing about those Wisconsin uh, stats against Rutgers again, who's the one that surprised me the most? Uh, let's talk about explosive plays. You would have you would have a suspicion that right, since Wisconsin won the game, you would suspect they had more explosive plays. The truth is, Rutgers had five, Wisconsin had one. Now, this is unusual for a Wisconsin team. Mm-hmm. First off, you know, their starting running back has had a lot of home run plays too. A little bit like a little bit like our running back, a little bit like Caleb. So but it didn't happen. Now you gotta give Rutgers some credit to that. They had one play over twenty yards. It was a twenty two yard as I recall it was a pass, as I recall. But only one. Um so that that's a good sign for us. Wisconsin did not have a lot of explosive plays last Saturday. And to be honest with you, in the first part of their season, I don't think they've had that many either. Mm-mm. Uh, the one surprise for a lot of Badger fans, their passing game really hadn't produced as many yards probably as what they thought it was going yeah, to. Yeah, you're right. They still won, but they won a little bit like Wisconsin has always won uh, by being sound on defense and and uh, not giving up many big plays. And then, of course, by, by pounding away at the other team a little bit. And, you know, you look back to the Barry Alvarez day, of course, yeah, they ran. They, but, man, Chris Chambers, Lee Evans, they always had great perimeter receivers. The times I've watched Wisconsin, I just haven't been that impressed with their playmakers on offense this year. I mean, I, I, I'm, trust me, I know you can say the same about Iowa. So that's right. why, I mean, I give, I, I, I'm not going to probably pick them to win because it's there, but would I be surprised if Iowa went up there and beat this Wisconsin team? No, I wouldn't. Cause, and that's more on Wisconsin. I'm just not that overly impressed with them. And they're five and one too, aren't they? Four and one. Four and uh, one. Four, four and one. Yeah, they had a buy. Okay. Four and one. They were buy. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, they're a good football team, but so are we. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth of it is, right now, the only exceptional football teams in the Big Ten are in the East. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. so maybe we can change that. Maybe we can change that by the end of the season. We don't have to worry about changing it next weekend. Um, hopefully, we can make strides in that direction over the last half of the season. Uh, and, again, we don't have to pick up a bunch of style points. We don't have to beat Wisconsin by three touchdowns. No, just beat them. We just got to beat them by one point. Yep. Uh, and we certainly have a chance to do that because the way we play again, and that would mean uh, playing really sound fundamental football on defense. Uh, I realize we've given up more yards than a year ago, but that's okay. We're still doing a good job of eliminating big plays making the other team work hard to get down the field. Uh, and the other thing, of course, that's a little bit encouraging, maybe we're going to pick up the pace on turnovers. Uh, we won turnovers again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been uh, – we had four uh, against Michigan State. We had two last week, so that's six in two games. And, again, we're still protecting the ball on offense. So that's a good thing. We need to win the turnover battle, that's for sure. Uh, which it won't be easy to do that because Wisconsin has done a good job protecting the ball over the course of the first half of the season, uh, too. Uh, but one concern they do have, you know, what happened to all those big pass plays we were supposed to be making with this 
you spread offense. You know, you really haven't seen that many. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they won't try to do it to us, of course. Uh, but doing it to us is going to be a little bit tougher than doing it to most teams, simply because our, our proud history is that we do not give up many big plays. Yep. I expect that to continue for the last half of the season, too. When I look at this Wisconsin team, in a lot of ways, rosters built similar to Iowa. I think they're not ready to execute at a high level with a spread formation because they don't have that type the personnel of personnel. doesn't He'll fit. gradually yeah. get that, but they're just not there yet. And that's why I think their offense is kind of sputtering because when I've watched them, the most impressive thing to me has been the kid running out of the pocket. And Malusi, the running back who's hurt, don't get me wrong, Braylon Allen's very good, but I think Iowa's defense is built better to stop a Braylon Allen in traffic. Malusi was more of a space guy, Don, and I, I think that's going to be a big loss for Wisconsin in this game because, I mean, Braylon Allen's good, but if you can get him locked up, he's not as explosive, I don't think, as Malusi was. But, but like you brought up, that is a big loss for Wisconsin in this game. I think so. I think you're right. Malusi was a little more of a home run hitter, yes. I think, than, than Braylon even. Uh, and I do think this this back that's now playing, he's, I believe he might be a freshman. I think so, he's yeah. He's young, but he's more in the, he's more in the mold of, of uh, Braylon, Braylon, I think. He's, mm-hmm. he's a big, strong guy uh, that may be not be quite as good a home run hitter as Malusi. I think that's probably true. Okay. Now looking at, I want to make sure, Logan Lee, great game, 10 tackles. Rarely do you see that with a down lineman. But, man, Jay Higgins and has Nick Jackson. But Jay Higgins man. is playing as well as any linebacker in the Big Ten. I'm not saying he's playing like Jack Campbell, but his stats are very similar, if not a little better. Can you talk about just the consistency Jay Higgins has shown this season so far? Well, I think it, it all starts with just being thoroughly prepared from a mental standpoint. Yep. Uh, and there are a lot of tendencies, I promise you, that Jay Higgins uh, and Nick Christian, because uh, of the communicators, of course, with the D line, you know they're based on backfield set. I'm sure they're alerting the D line that we might get this particular play. Uh, they're not going to guess right 100 percent of the time, of course, but they are given uh, maybe simply just a, a word such as run, not pass. You know, maybe they recognize this particular formation, this particular backfield set, especially when you factor in down and distance. I'm sure they're, they're guessing accurately a lot of the time whether it's run or pass. They might even be specific and alerting the D-line as to a specific run based on a slightly different alignment in the backfield. These are the finer points of football, but I don't doubt that Seth is doing a good job of teaching those linebackers the finer points of linebacker play. So communication is critical. They're doing a good job of communicating. Uh, they're doing a good job of tackling in space. Yes, they are. Rallying, rallying to the ball. Uh, you might argue... I know people have made the comment, it seems like they're making as many plays maybe as last year's linebackers, but maybe we're giving up a few more yards in the process. But part of that equation, as you've heard me say before, is the D-line doing a great job of keeping the linebackers clean. And I don't know that we've protected the linebackers quite as well this year as we did a year ago. Um, I think that was part of our great success last year, is keeping our linebackers clean. Uh, maybe that's the point of emphasis right now. Maybe we're doing a better job now than we did three or four weeks ago in that regard. Uh, but the bottom line is our front seven, our front six, front seven, however many's in the, in the front, uh, they played very well. Uh, the D line very definitely won the, won the day in terms of pass rush mm-hmm. versus pass pro. And I think you'd have to say 
We did a fair job. I give a lot of credit to Markaby. I thought that guy ran really hard. I did. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, he made a lot of good yards. Uh, sometimes I had to grudgingly give him credit rather than assigning a lot of blame to our guys because uh, he's a warrior. I, I'd very definitely call him their player of the game because I think he, he had to fight for a lot of hard yards and did. And um, speaking of the defensive line, um, Noah Shannon will be back, I'm almost certain, this week. I think Kirk will announce it. Um, when we we asked him about it um, after the game, he said, oh, I should have good news for you on Tuesday. And I know a couple of people that have talked to Noah, and they've just seen him in passing, and no one gave, Noah gave them the indication that he will be back this coming week. So basically he served a half a season suspension. They're, they're softening it from full to half, and I'm guessing other players are in his situation too. So – um, Noah Clay, he's stay he's staying in shape. He's been working out, whatever. So that will really help. I mean, that like you said, Don, he's a run clogger. He's a guy that can occupy blockers and make it easier for the linebackers. That's a big addition. Now they're never going to get Lucas Van Ness back, and I think they obviously miss Lucas Van Ness. But getting Noah Shannon back is going to be significant. Yeah, I think so too. You've heard me comment before, Pat. I'm I'm pretty sure in saying this. This year, our starters have ended up with more snaps percentage wise not just percentage-wise, numerically, too, more snaps than last year's starters. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would not yeah. surprise me. Part of that reason, of course, we were we were uh, better at getting on and off the field last year. Uh, that's part of our problem, of course. Our defense has been on the field for 454 snaps. That's almost 76 snaps a game. Uh, part of that problem relates to our offense not being able to stay on the field. <laughs> Part of that problem, you have to assign blame to the defense for not getting off the no, field. No, it works both ways, yeah. Yeah, so they both have responsibilities to get to get the defense on and off the field. Well, or in the case of the offense, to, to uh, eat up a lot of clock while they're out there. Uh, so the good news, you know, those starters have, have gotten a lot of snaps in six games because the backups simply haven't gotten as many snaps as a year ago. That's true at linebacker. I think it's also true in the D-line. Well, it is because so, – I mean- um, not to interrupt, but well, Lucas Van Ness and Deontay Craig were both reserves last year, and Deontay Craig had huge stats last year. He had better stats last year. I think he's playing well this year, but he's not making quite as many impact plays. But they they went to their bench a lot more because their best lineman was a reserve, and then Don, Deontay Craig was really valuable off the bench last year. Yeah, and for that matter, of course, you haven't seen a lot of a lot of reserves playing in the back end either. No. So those starters are logging a lot of snaps. Now, you know, they're warriors, and, and they'll deal with it. But let's face it, it takes a little bit of a toll on you if you're out there for 76 snaps a game versus 66 or 56. Uh, in some cases, of course, backups got 20 snaps last year. Uh, and, the, and the defense wasn't on the field as long anyway. So that's, that's the point of emphasis going forward. Got to be, be better at getting off the field on defense. And we got to do a better job of staying on the field on offense. And I think we're seeing, you know, Kirk has been reluctant to try to consider Cooper on offense because Cooper never leaves the field on defense. They, I mean, I thought maybe Deshaun Lee had shown enough in the first two games to where he could maybe spill and you'd have a little bit of a rotation at cornerback. And I know T.J. Hall played a little bit position cornerback, but they're not rotating this year. They're sticking to their two guys. And obviously they know better, but that, that, that matters, though. I mean, that, that can take a toll, can it, Don? Yeah, I think so. Um, one concern going forward, uh, you know, they they foolishly took uh, too many pass attempts toward toward Cooper. I think they came out aggressively uh, trying to attack him. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I, the thing I was fearful of 
was that they were going to go after Jamari, and they did. Uh, and if you go back and look at all those deep throws, we were really lucky on a couple of them because yes. they, they could have certainly been caught. One was simply overthrown a little bit, but he that receiver was behind Jamari. They would have taken a, a decent throw to, to beat Jamari, but let's face it, quarterbacks have a habit of making decent throws. Uh, and thankfully, uh, there were two different occasions. Another ball, uh, Jamari was beaten, not by much, but by a little bit. And again, a good throw and a good catch, he would have been beaten. He would have given up a touchdown. And thankfully, the guy couldn't quite control the ball. He did go to the ground with the ball, but the ball came out. Uh, but it was within a hair of being a touchdown. So my only point going forward, uh, Jamari, please, uh, you know, give the proper cushion here. Mm-hmm. Don't invite people to try to throw it over you because last weekend, I'd say on average, one of those two pass attempts would have been a touchdown. Okay. Uh, thankfully, neither one was. But in, in Purdue's case, I'm sure, they feel that both those balls should have been thrown and caught. It would have required a good throw in the case of one that wasn't overthrow. And the other one, it would have required maybe just a slightly shorter throw and then a, a good a good effort on the catch, which the receiver did give, but he couldn't quite control it to the ground. That's all. The one in front of the student section, yep. Yeah. Okay, Coach, uh, Wisconsin's uh, been a, a thorn in our side, uh, especially in Madison. The last three games, they've outscored us 89-43. to 43, And the game before that uh, was 2015, and that we won, uh, I think it was 10-6. to 6. We have had big-time problems up in Madison. Um, what, is there something to be said for sometimes teams don't play very well in a given venue, or is it all because of Wisconsin's defense was so good for the last 10 years? Well, I think a, I think a lot of teams have trouble going into Camp Randall uh, because Camp Randall is a lot like Kenick. Mm-hmm. It's a good home field advantage, especially if the home team is is playing their usual inspired football. It's easy to energize the crowd. It's easy for the fans to get involved. Uh, let's face it, Camp Randall, if you're having a, a difficult day, those fans can be a real thorn in your side. So I do think the best thing to do, of course, is be able to make a few great plays here and there to shut them up and, and discourage the fans. You always heard me say, players are a lot more mentally tough than fans. Uh, fans will give up give up the ghost a lot quicker than players will. Uh, so if we, I think what is important is for us to once again get off to a good start. We need to do that. I am a little bit concerned. You notice Kirk's strategy the last two weeks was to take the ball to yeah. start the game. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly. Uh, that concerns me a little bit when you take that on the road. Now, playing at home, it makes sense. I was thinking of it this way. If you take the ball to start the game, the odds are 50-50 that you'll get one more possession in the first half than the other team. Mm-hmm. You either get the same number of possessions or you end up with one more, right? Yes. That's assuming neither team cost the ball up in the kicking game. Obviously, if you muff a punt, you just lost the possession. Uh, but um, that's one argument for taking the ball to start the game at home. Is Kirk was thinking, I believe, uh, you know, I'd like to have one extra chance to have a first-half lead. Uh, and playing at home, of course, he's confident that even if we do struggle with field position, our fans are going to be there to have our back. Uh, so, um, Kurt would like to start off with the lead at Wisconsin, too, of course. The only concern is if we start slow uh, and we're having to, uh, let's face it, if we take the ball, they're going to typically take the wind. 
So my biggest fear is we take the ball to start the game. We're three and out, and now we're putting into a 20-mile-an-hour wind. And now Wisconsin's going to have, have the ball somewhere out toward midfield. Uh, you know, that's a problem because uh, you don't want to give the home team too many short fields. Well, so uh, I would suspect if the wind's significant, that Kirk might defer and um, and hope that we don't have to deal with going into a, a brisk win in the first quarter when the fans logically are going to be uh, loud and boisterous to get the game started. So, Don, do you think Luke Fickle is going to come out with a mentality play not to lose, or he's going to come out and just be aggressive and let's go for it, let's stomp on him right away. What, what's your feeling on that? You know, I don't know because I haven't seen enough of Wisconsin to know for sure how they played. Uh, I think in general they've been a fairly conservative approach. From when I've watched them, they have been. I, yeah, I think. I don't remember. And in that regard, if I was on defense, I'd be, I'd be alert. They might try to get a chunk play right early in the game, you know, to get the fans energized and to – Get off to a good start. So, uh, you know, please defend the deep field to start the game because we don't need the ball to go over our head in any circumstance. Uh, let's see how they start off playing. Uh, you know, don't react too quickly early on. Obvious example might be a play action throw deep downfield or maybe something. Let's imagine it's not hard to imagine that both us and Wisconsin will be energized to start the game. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good ideal time to run a reverse. Uh, I remember vividly, I thought it was one of the best calls I ever saw from a visiting team. Michigan was playing us in Kinnick. It was a big game with a lot at stake. And early in the game on the opening possession, they ran a a reverse with Desmond Howard. It went about 50 yards, as I recall. I remember that play. Uh, Remember that? Yeah. First possession of the game. I don't doubt for a second we had defenders that were screaming out reverse to their teammates on the field, but nobody could hear them. And the guy and the guy just went sashaying down the field for a long gator on a simple reverse. So I'm not suggesting we run a reverse early against Wisconsin, but I think it would be worthwhile to have one in the game to slow down their pursuit. And that's assuming that we judge as the game's getting played out that they are really flying hard to the football on wide plays to one side or the other. Yeah, I've got kind of a mixed feeling on Iowa's reverses. I mean, and they seem to be too slow to develop. Slow to develop, and they get strung way out. And I, I don't know, they're very close to the line of scrimmage, which I guess is good because then if you do get hit, it won't be for a bigger loss. But it seems like the, the receiver has no maneuvering room, no move to, room to maneuver. But but before we go um, wrap up, Don, I, I didn't realize the hour's almost up. Um, I want to look around the Big Ten. I mean, Maryland hung with Ohio State for a while, but Ohio State still ended up winning by, what, 20? Yeah. And their quarterback had nearly 300 passing yards, so that's status quo. But you and I talked briefly yesterday. I, that Nebraska-Illinois game, I, I watched as much as I could take of it. It got really boring. But Brett, man, I love the guy, but he's got problems. I mean, there should have been a 45. Illinois to, might be the worst wait, team in the Big Ten right now. I mean, terrible. You, you, I mean, just your thoughts on that game in particular and just the Big Ten right now. Yeah, they've, they've lost some difference makers on both sides yes, of the ball. Yes, they have. You know, the, the secondary was outstanding a year ago. I think that's their biggest weakness right mm-hmm. now is the mm-hmm. back end. Yeah. Um, and not to mention, Chase Brown's not your average Joe. No. Um, Love is a solid back, but I think he's been a little bit injured. He's a little bit undersized. Um, and they do have a few uh, game breakers. Uh, Williams is another guy that's, he's good. that's, uh, that's very good. 
Um, but they haven't done a great job of getting them the ball in in space. Uh, they just have problems. The sad part of it all, to watch them, it appears, my gosh, they don't even, they're making a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, they're making too many mistakes. It's, um, uh, I'm talking about turning the ball over too often or, false starts. or giving up chunk, chunk plays, false starts, muffin punts, uh, misjudging uh, kickoffs that are fully into a really strong wind, stuff like that. It looks like they're not very well coached, and we know that's that's not true in terms of Brett's involvement, mm-hmm. but that's the result. I mean, it's logical that fans are going to suggest, what are our coaches doing? Because these guys appear to be making too many mistakes. And, um, and you know, coaches do shoulder some of that blame. I know Brett did make the comment, I believe, before the Nebraska game, and he's right. I made the comment a year ago. I said, one of the things that's working for Illinois is they've taken on an identity of an old Wisconsin team. Yeah, last year did. Yeah, that, yeah, that worked a year ago because they had a really solid defense, outstanding running game, didn't make many mistakes, had a veteran team in general, I think. Well, they're much younger this year, I do believe. Uh, yes. And they're making more mistakes. And, and and Brett commented, we don't have an identity. And what he's hoping for is an identity similar to what they had a year ago or what they had at Wisconsin. Yeah, and it just hasn't happened. And he, Brett has the look on the expression when you watch during the games like, man, I don't have an answer for this. We're just going to have to keep plugging away and hope something changes. But in fairness, I mean, you brought up the secondary. Um, Devin Witherspoon's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL right now. And then um, Chase Brown's brother, he's playing yep. in the NFL. No, they had some huge hits. Now, what do you think? Um, did you watch? Did you have a chance to watch any of the Ohio State Maryland game? I did. What's your thoughts? I told you, well, um, you know, I thought the, the play that killed him, of course, was the pick six again. They yeah. had two pick sixes in that game, I believe. Oh, did they? I got the wrong game. One game had two pick sixes. I thought it might be Ohio State. Pretty sure it was. Okay. I think one of them was late, too. Uh, that score, incidentally, is kind of misleading. As you know, that game was in doubt going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, it was an anyone, anybody's game. Yeah. So um, we said Maryland was good. Uh, you know, the question for them, can they somehow get over the hump against the big three? Incidentally, uh, three of the best defenses in college football are in the Big Ten East. We've already played one of them, of course. The other two are Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. Ohio State's defense this year is better than what they've had in recent years, and that's given the offense a chance to come along and and um, and try to catch up with what Ohio State's offense has done in the past. That's kind of more of the same. The big three, yeah. to yeah. me, this year the big three are – have separated them more than they have in recent years. And then you have three right after that that are okay. Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh-huh. And then you have eight, eight teams that, that are really not very good at all. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, kind of where we news. are. You're right. The good news, my gosh, we got six games left. Right now you'd say four of those six teams are really struggling. Yes. And we, we picked the same four teams. We, that, uh, and you might argue that maybe you shouldn't include Nebraska because Nebraska certainly looked better than – than Illinois, you've heard me say before, Matt Rule's a very good football coach. Uh, you know, I was fearful that playing them in November might look a lot different than playing them early. Good point. That may still come to pass um, because, you know, they're already, they're three and three, right? Yes. Not that they've been world beaters, but uh, I could see if I'm a Nebraska fan, yeah. I see signs of progress. I mean, 
Um, but anyway, if you include Nebraska in with the other three, the other three are obviously Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, and Minnesota. Yeah, poor Minnesota. <laughs> My gosh, uh, the numbers on that game are scary. Uh, I've got the analytics right here. Uh, I believe. Let me check. Yeah. Um, well, Nebraska lost to Minnesota in the season opener, if, if I remember correctly. I think yeah. Nebraska's a better team now. They are. I really I'm do. I'm sorry, that's the one game I haven't done is Michigan and Minnesota. The game I was confused about was Nebraska-Illinois. If you look at top 15 parameters, um, Illinois won one of them. One. Wow. And and that one they won, but only by the smallest possible margin. They actually won on turnovers. The good news, they won on turnovers. The bad news, they were plus one. You know, if you win on turnovers, you're plus one, and you lose on 13 out of the other 14 top parameters – Bad news, you lost. I mean, you know, plus one's not going to overcome all that. Well, Nebraska was marching on the last three they, drives. They fumbled three they had, times. Yeah, they should have scored three times. Uh, yeah, that should have been a blowout. Yes. Yeah, even that, even that you're right. Even that, that turnover stat was misleading because it all came way too late. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Illinois won on turnovers, but it didn't matter because they, they couldn't get down the field anyway. And here we are in early October, and Notre Dame has been eliminated from the college playoff, which I'm sure a lot of people are happy oh, did about. They, I didn't see their score. They got beat. They lost to Louisville. Louisville's Jeff Brown's undefeated. Wow. Five or six, you know. Notre Dame's not that yeah. good. They're, they're just not. I mean, uh, I did mean, you expect Louisville to be this good this fast? No, I did not expect. But I didn't realize all the work Louisville did in the portal. He did a ton of rebuilding. I did expect you did. Louisville to be markedly improved. I'll give you a two-word reason why. Jeff Brown. Okay. That's why. And it's obviously shown. The guy's a good football coach. He's got some good coaches with him. Uh, you know, they're playing obviously better than what people could expect because that is a very well-coached team. And, you know, here's one thing that stuck in my mind. Uh, you couldn't help but notice this. On one sideline, you see a guy that is clearly very involved with the game. And that's that's the play caller for Louisville. I say play caller. Maybe he's not calling all the plays. But if you watch the sideline shots of Jeff Brown, he's talking all the time oh, yeah. on the headset. Yep. Uh, and if he's not calling plays himself, uh, he's involved with the decision-making, not just on offense, but defense, too. Mm-hmm. I'm confident in saying that. I know for sure he's intimately involved on offense. Maybe not so much on defense. He's involved as he needs to be on defense. Um, and if he has the right defensive coordinator, of course, you're not very involved there either. Here's my point. Uh, when you look at Notre Dame's young head coach, uh, and he he might have a great resume, but it, he doesn't appear to be that involved in the game. Uh, you know, he doesn't appear to be having a big impact on offense or defense. Now, I think by, by trade, he's a defensive coach. Is yes. that right? Yes, he is. But the odd thing for me is I never even see him talking on the sideline. That's a little bit odd uh, because uh, and any any coach that's uh, – I'll give you an example, Nick Saban. Do you think Nick Saban's quiet during that game? What's no. Nick Saban on the sideline? <laughs> There's a lot of conversation going on. And since he's a defensive expert, I'd be willing to bet you that most of it relates to the Alabama defense. Uh, but who are we kidding? He's also involved in what's happening with the offense. He's not calling plays, of course, but he's still – making decisions about what we need to do with this next possession. And Louisville's quarterback is Jack Plummer, who was the quarterback at Purdue for Jeff Brown, then transferred somewhere, maybe to California, 
And now he's at Louis. I mean, this portal stuff, these guys are it's all over. crazy. But he's it? playing all right. He's a veteran. He's had some good moments before. So, so yeah, no, I watched the end of that in Notre Dame. Just, they just, they just, they just don't have it this year. They're just not that good. So, Tom, anything else? This Gosh, is a fun we could hour. go on forever. Um, I hope we're talking about a win at this time next week. Boy, I do I'm too. not overly confident, no. but, but, I mean, we'll see. Me neither. You heard me say before the Penn State game, we don't have to beat Penn State. If we can only win one out of two, I'd, I'd take Wisconsin. Oh, for sure, uh, because, for sure. Yeah, the Wisconsin win, of course, as our listeners know, it's really worth more than one. Yes. It's really worth one, one and a half, if you will, because uh, it gives us the edge if we're tied with Wisconsin later on. Uh, here's a couple of things I I will admit this hard to imagine wide receivers with no catches uh, you know that's uh, that's on the receivers that's also on the play caller sure that's also that's also on the quarterback you know we got to find ways to not let that happen uh, that's that's crazy I've never heard of that uh, <laughs> no um, I haven't either I, it's, it is crazy yeah Here's what I don't like to see. Let's talk about things I don't like to see. I don't like to see shotgun off the minus three yard line. Then you got to go back a week to reference that. Uh, you know, Cade's in the gun after we gain a yard on first down, and that's the play, of course, where he was injured. He's throwing the ball out of the end zone. That alone makes me nervous for the possibility of giving up a safety. Uh, and I just hate to be in the gun even to run the football out of the end zone. Because you got to run a while to get back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So call me old fashioned, but I want the quarterback underneath the center. And if you need to sneak it on first down, fine, do it. If you only gain a yard, fine. That's, that gives us some breathing room. Uh, but then beyond that, doesn't bother me to have to punt from the six or seven yard line after we tried to run the ball three times with the quarterback under center. Because we got a punter that can knock it a long way downfield. Mm-hmm. But he does need to have enough room to fill the snap and, and get the punt off. So uh, let's avoid um, let's avoid the possibility of giving up a safety by not going out of the gun when standing in our end zone. And then the other one that, that defies logic, I read in the paper this morning, shotgun, shotgun on the plus three-yard line uh, out of 13 personnel. That's the first time out of 45 snaps that we've been underneath the center. I'm sorry, that we've been in the gun with 13 personnel on the field. And you remember the play I'm going to talk about. It was the trick play, the throwback to the offensive tackle. Now, we're kind of lucky that we screwed it up in a way because it's supposed to be a lateral to the tackle. And you can clearly see when you slow it down and look at it, that was that was deemed a forward pass. Because it was a forward pass. We threw the ball slightly forward. Uh, the ball did get tipped. The ball fell innocently to the ground as an incomplete pass. But it was supposed to be a lateral to our tackle. And, and that's just a little bit too cute from the, from the uh, six-yard line. We had, we had first and goal at the six. Wrong time, wrong place. Uh, we're lucky we threw it forward. If backward, it is a fumble. And now we're going to look really foolish if they end up taking the ball down the field. So from the six-yard line, call me old-fashioned again. I don't mind at all getting in, getting into a direct snap situation and giving the ball downhill to our backs that only need a couple of yards to play to get in the end zone. Uh, let's see if we can mush our way into the end zone or go play action. That's okay. We can go play action 
when you're underneath the center, and that's, of course, going to give you a great chance to fool the other team. Incidentally, I think that was a bad call in the game, but let's give Brian a lot of credit for a really good call, too. And it's the game-winning touchdown. It's third and two. Mm-hmm. We're on the 22-yard line, and we are downhill with our fake. And that bought our and the, and the fullback is number eighty three, uh, and I know people say, well, that that should be an alert for the other team. No, there's any number of snaps where Eric Hall is the fullback in the formation. Now, oftentimes he's offset. Let's face it, our best running play is our counter. Um, I think we lost the coach. We lost him. We lost the coach. And that he's talking about the 22-yard um, Eric all touchdown. The problem with that play now, Wisconsin's going to know when it's coming. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem when you run a play like It was that. a beautiful play, It was man. a beautiful play, but now if you execute it, um, it can, it can of course, work. My biggest thing, if Brian wants to be radical or out, just get the ball to a wide receiver. I mean, all, the gadget or whatever. I mean, just I'm just amazed that, like, even when there's cushion from the cornerbacks, they can't complete like a – Simple six, seven yard no. down and out. It's just, no. I mean, the detachment, the disconnect with the receivers is pretty alarming right now. Don, you back with us? No, we've no. lost everything. Well, let's, let's okay, <laughs> let's t- take <laughs> a break. I'll fold lines. Oh, okay. All let's right. take yeah, a break and we'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. one 800 rose 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy, just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. 1-800-800-ROSE. Remember... For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. As for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate, one of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional, transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Are you tired of living in a home that doesn't quite meet your needs? Then it's time to call the experts at Streets Maintenance. Their team of skilled professionals specializes in renovations and remodeling, transforming your home into the space you've always dreamed of. From kitchen bath remodels to complete home renovations, no job is too big or too small. Streets Maintenance will work with you every step of the way to ensure your vision becomes a reality. So don't wait any longer. Call Streets Maintenance to schedule your consultation at 400-4483. Let's start building your dream home today. Once upon a time in the land of the Hawkeyes, a business grew. A business that would become synonymous with real estate. Hi, I'm Steve Anderson of Hawkeye Title and Settlement. 
When you're buying or selling your home, you'll need title and settlement services. Consider the Hawkeye Title and Settlement Team. Give us a call at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement, the team you love, the people you trust. We have six sales staff. Five of them have design degrees. I'm Brad Stork with Bachmeyer Carpet One Floor and Home. A lot of people that come through our doors want to see what the newest is, what the latest and greatest is, what the trends are. They want to see what the color palettes are. That is why I have the designers on staff. We can work towards making sure that the flooring coordinates with what you've got just by hearing that's what my furniture is, this is what my wall color is, that picture that you saw on Pinterest. Whether it be carpet, luxury vinyl tile and plank, whether it be tiled, ceramic, porcelain, natural stone, hardwood, I've got 100,000 samples to choose from here. If you're thinking that you're doing a full remodel and you want to see the colors with the flooring, we have paint samples for all of the major brands. Bring in your cabinet sample. Bring in your countertop sample. That's what our designers are great at. They know how to give you the look that you're looking for. Bachmeyer Carpet One, located at 3402 Merchant Street in Coralville, across from Tyson's. The Sanctuary Pub in downtown Iowa City has been a fixture since 1972 and still features a classic menu, such as the classic shepherd's pie, handcrafted pizzas, and craft beers and cocktails. The Sanctuary Pub is known for its warm and cozy atmosphere. That's the perfect place to spend time with family and friends while enjoying live music. Support great local food with socially distanced dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through Chomp Delivery. The Sanctuary Pub is located at 405 South Gilbert Street. Full menu options are online at SanctuaryPub.com. Come experience the Sanctuary Pub. You won't ever want to leave. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. When you go to a family restaurant, you want three things. One, a wide selection of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items. Two, you want those selections to be affordable and delicious. And three, you want to be treated like family. You get all three at the Midtown Family Restaurant. Breakfast items available anytime the doors are open. Legendary tenderloins, onion rings, and hot roast beef sandwiches. And special ribeye and shrimp nights. Daily specials at each location. And no matter if you're coming in solo or with a group of 20, you get the same special family treatment. The Midtown Family Restaurants at Court and Scott's streets and at the walmart plaza on highway one west follow them on facebook or at midtownfamily.com the family's waiting for you don't let just anyone take care of your smile at diamond dental you can expect compassion expertise and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life with more than 30 years of combined experience dr forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems leaving your smile healthy and sparkling Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit diamonddentalpc.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care 
for your entire family. GT Car, owner of Supel's Building and Remodeling, has been offering unmatched service and quality for over 25 years. The trained professionals at Supel's Building and Remodeling will install and guarantee the products used in any job, no matter how big or small. They also stand behind their work and offer no-nonsense, exceptional customer service from design to completion and beyond. Whether it's a simple window replacement or a major house addition, you'll have the confidence that Supel's Building and Remodeling is committed to quality. Visit Supel's.net or call them today at 319-337-2246. If you're looking for a new or used car, truck, or SUV, you should know. Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the best selection and pricing on new Fords, Deary Ford is here for you. To work with long-term experienced sales and service reps, Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the highest trade values, Deary Ford is here for you. To provide pickup and delivery and mobile service for our customers, Deary Ford is here for you. Hurry in or shop online at DearyFord.com. Football fans, this is Bill Leichnering of the Oxyoke Inn. We are on your way to or from the game. We're ready to serve you with the same quality food and customer service you've come to trust for over 80 years. The Oxyoke Inn is serving our famous Sunday brunch buffet with lunch, dinner, banquets, and carryout daily. From our Oxyoke family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon in the heart of Amana. The Oxyoke Inn. Hey, it's KCJJ's Tommy Lang. This Friday, it's your lucky day with a Friday the 13th KCJJ radio auction. We have terrifyingly good deals from local restaurants and other businesses, including fall deals such as storm doors from Knievel Windows, a remote car starter from Auto Toys, jewelry from Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, a Kohler sink from Plum Supply, a Simmons Comfort Vibes Pillow Top Twin Mattress from Mix Mighty Store, and season tickets for Hawkeye women's and men's basketball and wrestling. The savings will be spooktacular. It's a Friday the 13th radio auction this Friday morning starting at 6 right here on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. You can see our full lineup of certificates on the KCJJ app and at 1630 KCJJ.com under auction. We are back. Well, okay then. Without phone lines. So nobody can call us. No, no. internet. No internet. Nobody. So what about Karn? <sighs> do we have to apologize to her? Are you gonna... well, they can call do we do a uh, my number. Check? I can put them on the air. I put your number and my number on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, or so. we'll just have to rough it and not In do it. In case they have something urgent. You think there's something? You think Karn has something urgent? Uh, if it. she does, she can call me. All right. So... Uh, I just got flowers for Jan. Oh. You can't believe how many people listen to this thing in the morning. It's amazing to me because... Well, we had a guy from California come in. Did you tell him the story? <laughs> a, a marketing Jim, professor Jim. come in from USC and went, took selfies with Suter and I like we were celebrities. <laughs> I, it, was, it was very... Real I thought nice it was guy. a real nice guy. Yeah. Super sure nice guy. I mean, yeah. I actually left here for a change feeling good about myself. <laughs> Well, that, and that, so did Wapsie. I, 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 I well, that's because she was so energized. Did I, you see the new treats I got for Wapsie? Have you seen them? Uh-uh. Well, I'll show them. We got some really good ones. But yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate it, and I know they've been very receptive oh, with your situation. Yeah, they really have, and I just got from Sam Walker on the Outer Banks a beautiful bouquet of flowers for Jan. Ah, uh, That's very uh, nice. So, Thank you, Sam. That's great. Yeah. So, 
Um, and yet your phone can't hear that. Thank you, but at <laughs> the present time, but <laughs> I thanked him on uh, on Messenger. And you've let your new who has ever doing your phone service? They're they're aware of the problem. Yes, yeah, and they're real receptive. What's going on here? I imagine is there's doing a lot of construction around here, around everywhere, and, everywhere. Yeah. You've driven and, on Benton Street lately? Yeah, and they so they've and they told us tomorrow they'll be, they will be a disconnect as they fix the fiber got cut. Is that the one in the afternoon? Yeah, yeah. The fiber got cut, and they rerouted us. Uh, for then until they had a chance to fix the fiber, which is tomorrow. But evidently, something else got cut. So. Evidently. Well, the, yeah. the gentleman from L.A. said that they we have like a listener club out there that, yes. lis- that listens to us. We have, have uh, one in Texas, don't we? Yeah, we have one in Texas that wants us to go out there and... Yeah, you know, fat chance that's happening. Yeah, and we'll we've get got... And us- uh, Portland, Oregon. Oh, uh, we've got uh, like there's a club. So are you booking our us. flights? Get us some first class tickets and we'll come. First class tickets. <laughs> you buy <possible> lodging. <laughs> you buy. I end up losing like thousands of dollars on the trip. <laughs> but no, it was it was cool though that he came in. He was very. No, it's very cool. It was very cool that he came all the way out here. And yeah, he was. A, he's a marketing professor. He's originally from the Quad City, so there is an Iowa yeah. connection. And his daughter's already commandeered his T-shirt that he got. So I said, send me, give me your address, and I'll send you another one. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And the outpouring that I've got from the listeners and from this community and everything, we I mean, our refrigerator is full. I will not have to eat at McDonald's uh, until McRib comes back, of course, Ugh. next month. Uh, Those things are coming back? Jesus. God, that, that yeah. is one of the worst products out there. Oh, no. my God. No. I mean, is that even pork? What is it? It is it's pork. Spam. It's spam, isn't no, it? No, it, it is. It's, it's, it's pork, but it's, you know, it's the worst possible cuts. Uh, you it, know, I mean, you guys. All right, I, now we're back to normal. All right, yeah. let's go. I love it's boobs it and is tongues bad. and <laughs> no, it uh, ass and anus. <laughs> And they douse it with a little barbecue sauce, and then feels and like that, you going by it. And the white onions that are so strong—that's the only thing I like off on the it. Wall. I mean, their barbecue sauce is okay. I dip it with the nuggets, but, but that McRib is oh, just I love it. Oh my god, it's the best sandwich ever. 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 Uh, ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, the McRib or the pork loin from Kraken. Well, uh, you can't. <laughs> you just said it's the best sandwich ever. <laughs> well, you can't. As far as what it is. Okay. I mean, I can eat a McDonald's fish, I can, but Big Macs and McRib are... No, hey, quarter, quarter pounder with cheese. Oh, I've noticed... Playing off the grill the is McDonald's delicious. The McDonald's fish sandwiches now, the fish fits the bun because the bun got small. Oh, yeah. And then you they put it in the box, and it used to be you couldn't... It wouldn't move around in the box. Yeah. Was, now you can shake the box, and it moves around like a meatball because yeah. it's so small. Yeah, the bun got small. And they're, yet they're still putting the same amount of tartar sauce, tartar sauce on it to where it's just like lava. <laughs> You know, but all right. Well, now we're just yes. bashing. Mc- they're not advertising, are they? No. Fire no. away, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I have been seeing ads. They're saying the McRib is coming back like it's Jesus. Will you please uh, cancel your CenturyLink and go to Imon? I hate um, them. I hate them. It's just such a hassle. Tra- it is. It is. There, uh, and that's the only reason that I don't. I, I called them on the first and told them, you know, we're done. They told me they weren't going to service this location anymore in March. So I called them on the 1st. We're done. Okay? 
So then I got a bill, and I called him on the 14th, and I said, we're done. You don't even have any lines coming here anymore, and we'll take care of it. And then I called him last week when they went to auto-deduct, uh, and they did auto-deduct. He called the bank and stopped it. They didn't stop it. Uh, called them. I called them this morning, as a matter of fact, and told them, we want a refund you're not servicing us. And he goes, well, if you read your contract. I said, well, number one, we don't have a contract. We never got a contract. And number two, uh, you ended it. <laughs> you ended it in September. So they ended the service but still want money? Yes. yes. They took the money. Yes. Well, that's not right. No, no. of course not. No, they took the freaking money. So, I mean. So, uh when we get the internet back, and uh, I will think blast they're them. Across. I'm predicting a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Lawsuit, yep. Well, we got it. As a matter of fact, we got a lawsuit with the with the city now, going forward. Oh, for the for the police reports. Yeah. Oh, you, but not a money thing. It's a we want a right to access. Yes. Well, we want access or... Is the gentleman that I recommend... Well, you have helping? to de- designate an amount, and we designated... Is the person uh, I recommended, dollar. is he helping? Uh, yes. Because that's who actually Steve Ballard was yes. the one who... He used to work with him at the register, and that's what this guy does. Yeah. Freedom of information. Well, yeah, and he said... And it's important. It is. And when you told him what was going on, he right away said you guys are in the right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there you go. And then uh, uh, your buddy, uh, Southern Justin, called up. I guess it was his birthday I heard last him. week. It was. And so they got, got pizza socks from Jennifer. A pair of socks with slices of pizza. It's just pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Happy birthday. Jesus. Oh, he, does he work at a pizza joint? <laughs> two of them. Yeah. A, oh, two pizza joints. Yeah. Okay. Well, which, well Napoli's is a... Uh, Full service restaurant. Well, although so is Mazio's, I guess. But which one Mostly did he pizza. crap his pants at? Do we know? We don't know. We don't know that, but we know the COVID one was Mazio's. Okay, but the one where he crapped his pants, he never identified the actual place. I don't believe he did. I don't think, I don't think so. he did. But it was. We assume it was at one of those places, right? Well, like yeah, he's, those are the two places. Well, he it seems like he's worked there for a while too. Yeah. Yes, right. he's very reliable. I'll, I'll give him that. He goes in even if he has COVID. <laughs> even if he craps, even if, well, and he stays if he craps his pants. <laughs> stays on the shift because remember he said he kept it in his pants. Oh, were you here for that? No, he wasn't here for that, was he? <laughs> no, that was Tommy and yeah. You missed all that. Well, yeah, thanks he, for bringing it up, guys. Well, he brought up Justin. I'm just. I, yeah, he said he pooped his pants at work and oh. stayed at work. <laughs> yeah. Washing washing things, right? Well, it just means he's a valued employee. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's say Focused. one of your, let's say one of your let's laser say, focus. Let's say Hunter craps his pants here. <laughs> Wouldn't you encourage him to go home and then come back? Yes, indeed. Wouldn't you? Yeah. And he would be the first one to say, Yes, I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay. So at least we all agree on that. We do. <laughs> Maybe it's better the phone line. What about your guys? Yeah, if I if one of my if I was like sitting next to Dallas at the game and he, he crapped his pants, I'd but he the problem is I drive to the games. He'd have a real dilemma there. He'd have to figure out a way and he probably wouldn't come back. If I crap my pants at work, I would be too embarrassed to ever, ever come back. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
All right, back to the Hawks. Back to the Hawks. <laughs> wow. Back to the Hawks. So was there any booing Saturday? A little bit. I did hear a little. What were they what not were they much. booing? What do you remember what it was, the circumstance? No, no, I can't remember the specific. Because I do remember hearing place. a little. It was a three and out. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there were so yeah. many three and outs and just so many plays were passing plays were just it had no chance. No, no, no chance. But you can't. I had some people reach out and be like, you know, I can't figure out Iowa football. A game where they should have been conservative and they they decide to be aggressive. Had Brian Ferentz been ultra conservative and. Deacon Hill still struggled. What would the fans have said? It would have been a riot. Playing not to lose, afraid. Oh, it would be ridiculous. They didn't give him a chance. He can't win in these situations. No. I do not. Like I said, Saturday was not on Brian Ferris. No. I think that was more of an execution thing. And I hate to sound like Steve Alford. I'm not throwing anyone individually under the bus. But I just thought there were some design plays that if you execute a little better, they're going to work. And I thought, um, would they sack Deacon three times? Is that right? Stats right here. Let's see. You know, they can't win either. NBC did the same thing CBS Two. did the week Two. before, uh, is bring up that freaking contract. Well, it's just, I mean, I, I, I bring it up sometimes now to make fun of it. And in my follow yeah. column, I called it probably the dumbest thing Gary Bart has done. He was at the game Saturday. Was he, really? he was down on the field, yeah. I think that was maybe the dumbest thing that he's done because it's so public. He maybe has done some dumber things privately, but this was so public, and it just made a bad situation just way worse. And I know you're not a message board guy, but one guy, finally, somebody said something that was extremely funny. He said, Caitlin Clark set a record for being on the field, being introduced three different times during the first half. He said, and not only that, but I expected when the uh, air crew was taking off their things to show their Hawkeye T-shirts, he halfway expected Caitlin to be one of them. Well, uh, NBC on Peacock uh, at 521 Saturday, uh, talking about the contract, one of the guys goes, I have never heard anything like this. I'm sure there's been performance incentives. I know there have. They just haven't been under these circumstances and as public as they were. Iowa announced those things. Well, as public as they were, and that's the thing. They announced it like, hey, look what we're doing. We're taking a stand with Brian Ferentz, and I'm on my way out the door, so I don't have to deal with it. It was just stupid. Well, it's stupid. Dumb. Dumb. If they keep winning, okay, or win enough, it doesn't matter. They're probably not going to average 25 points this year. It doesn't look like they will. Oh, no. But they could win 10 games. Yeah, so... I They're still, not going to get rid of if him I had if to they predict, win 10 though, games. If I had to predict, though, right, somebody asked me, do you think he, Brian's back next year? I don't. That's my prediction now. And I'm not saying I've heard anything. I, I just think there's only so much a person can take. And that's Now, if he's back, would I be stunned? No. But I just kind of get the feeling that this might be the last year of this. But who knows? I, and I'm like I said, I'm not writing that. I'm not tweeting it. I'm just saying as we talk here, just in discussion, it would not be surprising to me if he's gone next year. And I'm not writing that I think he should be fired or anything. And these people that want him fired in midseason, I know they're just getting on social media just to chirp, but they're not going to fire anybody. You no. don't fi- you're, they're 5-1. and one. No, and you shouldn't. No, no. I, but it would not surprise me if he's gone next year. I, I guess not. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much heat there is in the, you know, like uh, how much crap that his kids are getting from their team or their classmates. Well, let's hope not. I mean, you know, let's hope. But I... But sec- I I'm sure. I'm they, sure they probably are. You yeah, know. but uh, he'll make. If they keep winning, if they win ten, or even if they win nine, uh, 
it'll be his choice to to Oh yeah, I'm not saying I think truck. he's going to get fired. I just yeah. think that he may move on. That's just my gut yeah. feeling and you know, that's just how I feel right now. It could change. But yeah, if they win 9 or 10 games, I I I don't think he would be fired. But something's got to be done on offense. I mean, this and I'm not saying getting rid of him is the is the solution because I've had a lot of people reach out with some of the stuff I've written saying, "Hey, we got to recruit better." And well, and I think that's that's correct. I think there's a big. Do they have to recruit better at tight end? No, they're fine at tight end. I think they need to recruit better at you know receiver. Well, obviously they had no catches. Quarterback, uh, clearly. Six offensive of line. Offensive line. Uh, yes, although they're improving, but yes. No, yeah, they're not improving by much. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, they had, like you said, you take away those two long runs. And I'm not saying you can't take them away. That's part of what they did. But the other concern is like what Don brought up about Caleb. He didn't even average two two and a half yards yeah, of carry right. on the other runs. They just can't sustain anything. But they and I don't want to knock the current receivers, but that's kind of the way it comes across is when you're saying they got to recruit better. But obviously something's not working, and it can't just all be Brian Ferentz. And it, well, it isn't. And it's not all the wide receivers, and it's not all the quarterbacks. And some will say, well, it's Kirk's offense. To go around. Yes, it is Kirk's offense, but obviously Kirk's not going to change his offense. So you've got to figure out a way to make it work. And I think Kirk's offense, we've seen like in 2002 when they had great players, when they had C.J. Jones. Like 21 years ago. And Maurice Brown and Dallas Clark at tight end, Brad Banks at quarterback, Eric Steinbeck, Robert Gallery, Fred Russell. Hey, the offense worked great. But like you said, that was 21 years ago. What I'm saying, though, is I still think that offense could work if they had the equivalent of those players talent-wise, but they don't. Well, if you were a, a four- or five-star wide receiver, would you come here? No. Honestly? No. No, and I believe I Jovan. Either. I think Jovan said that on the – I think it was Joe. I don't want to put word, but one of them, um, Rob does the thing with Jovan and Jordan Kanzeri after games. It's really interesting, too. I think they're going to start doing it more on Sundays now. But um, Joe, that was Jovan's concern as a former Hawkeye, and he loves the Hawkeye. He's just, as a receiver with tons of options, why would you come here? Yeah. But that's what they need. So they're in a catch 22. They need them, but they can't get them because they don't have them. And it's just. It's just it's so. Tough. Then you bring uh, uh, someone who theoretically is is mega talented in Caleb Brown. Bring him in, and he hasn't caught a pass. But but mega talented based on what he well did in, high, in school, high school as a running as back. a running back. And yes, and like I said, I was a wait and see on Caleb Brown. I don't. Mm. Want to, I mean, I've ne- I just I've heard I had some people that n- knew his situation closely. They're like, you know, I need to see. It's not easy making this switch from. Running back to wide receiver. Tim Dwight was able to do it, but Tim was a better returner than he was a receiver. He was a good receiver, don't get me wrong. But even Tim has said, man, that was a tough adjustment. That was tough going from being a running back to receiver. To me, it looks like Caleb just hasn't been able to make that adjustment. Where I was really surprised, though, was when Caleb wasn't returning kicks. Uh huh. I thought he would be their kick returner, but... Beaten up Caden Weechen. Caden Weechen must have beat him out. Yeah. And, you know, they're not, if they thought Caleb Brown was a better kick returner than Caden Weechen, they're going to have him return kicks. And so, I mean, the fact that he didn't dress Saturday for personal reasons, that's not a good sign. That's not, no, and, it isn't. And I, obviously he's frustrated, I'm guessing, with a lack of touches, a lack of playing time. But a lot of that's on him, yeah. I think. Yeah. You got to earn it. Yeah, you got to earn it. So... 
you know, I, I know it shouldn't be really valid, you know, what we've done in the past in Madison. It's just I've been there so many times and where we just don't fire a shot. And yet you keep going back. Well, because of our friends. So if you didn't have your friends up there, you wouldn't go? Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I have to go. I don't oh have. Oh, my God, no. I'm going for strictly business. This is not for enjoyment. I mean, it's a 14, 15-hour day. We don't spend the night in Madison. There's no point to now. The drive is... The, the the drive is less than three hours now since it's all four. Back when it was two lane the whole way, it took three and a half. It, it's such an easier drive now. It is. It, it is about three and a half hours. You, oh God, no! I've we made Not it even? there. We made it there in two fifty, going yeah. seventy. I mean, yeah, no. It's. I mean, um, you don't have to go through Dickieville. You don't have to go through all those little towns where you go through the come to complete stops and what. You just keep going. But yeah, we've made it in less than three hours before. So a drive home sucks, of course, because it's at night, and you, I, that's the drive where you re- worry about deer because there's yes. just deer everywhere. There are. That's why you pay for that extra insurance policy, which is like twenty eight bucks a day, just so if you hit a deer, before you call Premier, you know that it's covered. Yeah. Did I do that right? Yeah. Well, hit a deer, call Premier. Yeah. Um. So they're dispatching uh, a crew to find out where the fiber was cut. Okay. So, where do you think they're headed to? I mean, out here? Do you think it's somewhere near uh, here? I, I have no idea. I know, but the minute we call these people, they're here. Well, they have been, uh, CenturyLink's been all along yeah. Yeah. Sand Road. They're, they're sabotaging us. Is what... <laughs> Boy, it is. Uh, I must say, this is a bleak collection of of Big Ten games this weekend. Michigan State at Rutgers. I I mean, that could be a decent game, but still, it's not marquee. Indiana at Michigan. Ohio State at Purdue. UMass at Penn State. I'm sure that'll be a close one. Yeah. Illinois at Maryland. And then Iowa at Wisconsin is the really the only um, what could be a decent game. I just had some guy reach out to me. on Another cheap shot from Pat Hardy, I guess he's saying, because I'm saying that it's not all Brian Ferentz's fault that the players should. I mean, these. it isn't all on Brian Ferentz. But this is a cheap shot, I guess. And then he goes, maybe the athletics department ought to work harder. A lack of work ethic is not. No, not at all. Any struggles that they work hard over there. Nobody outworks Kirk and these guys. No, I mean no. that's just a narrow-minded way to look at things. But I mean, at least he does go by his name. On he does at least. What's this guy's name? Eric Madsen. Eric Mad Seventeen. Um, at least, although hell, that may not even be his name. But no, I mean y- these players are old. I didn't call out any players individually, but they're old enough to take a little critiquing, shouldn't? I mean, they yeah, you know execute. they know. They didn't execute on Saturday. They know when they make mistakes. They all do. Yes. They know more than we do. You know, they do. Yeah, and they have to live with it. And Deacon even came out and said, I got to play better. I mean, it's clear he's got to play better. Well, better than six for 21. (laughs) Yeah. Now, of those 15 incompletions, how many would you say were his fault? How many would you say were... Um, nobody opened. How many would you say were drops? I'd say it's almost a couple thir- drops. I'd say, yeah, there was a, I thought there were at least four. Oh, were there really? I thought there were three or four. I can think of three, right? And I mean, the one that most obvious was Seth Anderson. Yeah. I mean, that ball. When they hit him in the face. Yeah. Now it was thrown a little high and thrown way too hard, but still he was wide open and man, he had room to run on that one. That's not Brian Ferentz's fault. No. And it's funny is, I mean, you- only in that 
I am sure he has suggested on many occasions to tell Deacon to take a little bit of mustard off the pass. I'm sure he has. I mean, you ha- I'm, I'm sure they did it, but that's easier said than done when you're this far into it and throwing that way. I mean, I don't think you can just develop that in like a week or two, So, but we'll see. But I thought there were at least five or six balls that Deacon threw just way too hard, and there were at least. there were several that he just completely overthrew the target. He didn't underthrow many targets. No. Most of the targets he threw were he just threw the ball way high. And the problem with that, too, is you also leave your receivers vulnerable to get hurt and hit. I mean, TJ Hawkinson had a couple high balls thrown to him yesterday in that Vikings game. I think he should have caught him. He didn't, and he just took shots, and he ended up having to leave the game for a while. Man, when you get your receivers way up high like that, I know they're supposed to high point the ball, but you leave them vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that's what it's going to be, though. Um, I think Deacon, when he misses, he misses high, wide, and just way too hard. I mean, that's Well, I guess the good news of that is he misses so badly that there's not going to be any interception either. No, now the Seth Anderson one, that one could have been intercepted. It It got deflected in the air. Luckily, there was not a Purdue defender near enough to catch that ball, but that was a dangerous one. But But some of those were just rockets. But this is is quite the scenario, though, of a former QB at Wisconsin who never really figured much in their plans, gets out of there, was going to transfer to Fordham, which is kind of telling. And now here he is. In this first season at Iowa, all of a sudden, he's the starting quarterback. I, I, I thought there were times he looked maybe not quite ready for this stage. Do you think that's fair to say? I wrote that. he Yes, I, certainly. I, yeah, I'm not saying he's not necessarily good enough to play at this level. I just think things are maybe being a little rushed, and that's out of his control. I mean, I don't think they thought that Deacon Hill was going to be playing. Obviously, they didn't. They thought no. Cade was going to be their guy. And, you know, Joe Labus, more experienced, been around the program longer, but Deacon apparently beat him out because yeah. Kirk has made that ob- he's very made that very apparent that Deacon is their number two quarterback, and he's earned that in practice. He did that during spring. This is nothing new. Deacon won the job in the spring, and then Labus got hurt, and that, that hurt his development over the offseason. But I don't know. It's just I don't have a lot of confidence. So do you think the receivers catch more than five balls Saturday combined? You mean wide receivers? Yeah. No. I probably don't either. I just wonder, what Wisconsin's been really good at doing with Iowa, it seems like offensively, is taking their key players out of games. I mean, there's been times where you go up there and the Iowa tight ends have done nothing. It's true. And if they take Eric all out of this game, what are they going to do as a contingency player? Well, they better hope that they can run the ball then. And I'm not overly confident they're going to be able to run the ball. I'm not either. And the Although other... the only good news here is this ain't a Dave Aranda or a, a Jim Leonard. No, this defense. is not a great, great Wisconsin. It's pretty good. It's getting better, but it's not great. It might be, you know, I wish they'd try some screen passes. They just never – did they do any screen passes Saturday, if I recall? Uh, maybe one. I remember they one must not that, like what they're seeing in that practice. didn't work. Yeah, they must not like what I see so many teams that seem if they're struggling to run or struggling to go downfield, they use screen passes, and for a lot of teams it works. I would actually like to see, especially if the wide receivers aren't getting open, which um, is part of it. Get the running backs more involved. Then you know, throw to the running backs. That's screens. Yeah. You don't want the running backs to go too far downfield and make it really hard passing routes and hard catches. You want to try to make some of these 
throws, high percentage throws to help Deacon's confidence, but also so the running backs don't have to make really difficult catches because there's a reason they're a running back and not a receiver. Oh, that's also true. And to me, that's screen balls, screen passes. I mean, if you got running backs doing 25-yard seam routes where Deacon's got to try to throw a laser into a tight window, that's probably not going to work. Probably not. They're probably not going to catch <laughs> Right. So, but I don't know. It was um, – it was a it was a weird game to watch because it was Iowa being aggressive, and it and it they had they just couldn't fire a shot, but they tried. Brian Ferentz came out with a pretty aggressive mindset on Saturday. I thought he did, and I I never felt Iowa was going to lose that game. Did you? No, I when it, no not really. No, when it got to twenty to fourteen, there wasn't enough time left, and I no not really. I mean Purdue's not Purdue's not very good, no. and I didn't think Hudson Card played very well. No, I know he, he had 247 yards passing, but I thought he made some really bad decisions with the football. He took some huge sacks he that did. made no sense. I thought a veteran He needed to re- get the ball out faster. He needed faster. to get the ball out faster. Yep. He was waiting too, way too long, but I give Iowa's defensive line credit credit for pressure. the pressure. they for Really, for the first time consist- this year, yes. they really got it done. The pressure that Joe Evans was incredible, four tackles for loss. Like Don said, that was probably the biggest difference in the game. And, of course, the two long, the, the, the 181 yards rushing. I agree with Don, though. As great as Caleb was, I thought LaShawn's running were, in the big. Second, were, were bigger because they were keeping the ball. They were moving the chains but keeping Purdue's offense off the field. And I thought, I thought LaShawn had a really good game, and I'm just glad they've gone back to him. Now that fumbles out of his mind. He may fumble again something. Running backs fumble. Yeah, but do. I like the fact that they went back to him and showed faith in him. Now, of course, they don't have a lot of choices. Because as good as those freshmen have looked, you still don't want to put a ton of responsibility on freshmen no. when you're in a big games like this. And if they could get Jay Zion Patterson back, that's huge. Because like we said, when he went out, I mean, he was clearly their number one option in the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. He kind of moved ahead of Caleb in that game. He, he did. did. He became their. He was the hot hand. Well, that in day. that game, he was getting. He was the guy. Yes. He was the hot hand, and I think moving forward, they were ready to go with a lot of Jay Zion Patterson. But then he got hurt. He got hurt against in the third game. Was that he got hurt against Western Michigan? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I've heard that he's close to getting back, and it'll be interesting to see how they fit him back in. It will. And I like the way Liddell Betts has alternated the running backs this year. I think he's done a good job. So if you're Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, why wouldn't you load up the box? I'm sure they probably will. And um, most teams do do that against Iowa because that's always the excuse a lot of fans make for why they can't run the ball. Well, I see teams load up the box against Michigan, and they run the ball. Teams used to load up the box all the time against Wisconsin, and they ran the ball. To me, loading up the box, if you're a good running team, should know, oh, well, they're loading the box. We can't run. I mean, that's that's a defeatist attitude, but that seems to be with some of the Iowa fans. Oh, the box is loaded. What are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to do what good running teams do. You still run. Or you uh, find a pass play that nobody's defending. Yeah, which Michigan can do. But Michigan this year doesn't have great, great, great receivers. No, they don't. They've got good receivers, but but you just you just can't give up if a defense is making a certain strategy. You should be able to handle it a little bit. And no, my guess is Wisconsin will load the box, and then when it'll be interesting because I think there's going to be times when Iowa does do four and five wideouts. Just then the box isn't loaded. Right. But the problem is in those situations they still can't run the ball in those situations against good teams usually. They had four and five wideouts against Penn State, uh-huh. and it, well, that's because uh, the line didn't get the it, job. Well, out. that's just it. I mean, but the box wasn't loaded. No. The box isn't loaded when you have four wides out, 
and they still many times can't run the ball. So, yeah, if they can't run the ball at all against Wisconsin, if we're talking 26 carries for like 30 yards, no, they're done. I don't see any way they win unless there's flukes like multiple turnovers on special teams or something or quarterback stepping on his foot like happened back in uh-huh. 15 when they won that game. Was it 10-7? 10-7 or 10-6? 10-7, the, I think. I, yeah, and they had like 71 passing. Fluke things like that can happen. But I'm my biggest concern is if they don't run the ball at all, then Deacon doesn't have a chance. I, mean, I think the quarterback we were trying to think of the other day was Alex Hornibrook. Oh, was he left-hander? I, I think I he was, and, and, and Don coached him at Connecticut. Oh, you're right. That's right. Yes, he was left-handed. Yeah. yeah. And he, he was okay. He wasn't a world-beater no. by any means. Well, Wisconsin's well, they quarterbacks haven't, quarterback haven't been. Since Russell Wilson. Yeah. And Russell Wilson played there 13 years ago. Yeah, he fell out of the sky for him, you know. Yeah, he was through. Yeah, he transferred from North Carolina State before. He did the transfer portal, really, before the transfer uh-huh. portal, and was great. Well, he, he sure was. He was great for them. But um, Mordecai, like I said, he's not tearing it up passing-wise, which is what I thought he would do, but... I just don't think Wisconsin's built for that right now. I, if they're going to go to that system, he's got to recruit different athletes. Yes, well, and he knows it. And and he's doing it. Yeah. Whereas Kirk doesn't want to switch to that system. Kirk wants to keep doing what he does. And I, I, we are back. We're back. All right. All right. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. These people are great. So get those calls in. <laughs> yeah, we're almost done. It's quarter, what is it, quarter till? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that that was that was a quick response. Yes, very much so. Who do you, who do you have now? Who's Thank you service? to Sharon. Telephone Sharon telephone. Sharon. Yes, it's just a lady named Sharon who's doing all this. Yes, she's great. She's like uh, uh, who Sharon, was it? In Sharon Mayberry? Osborne. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> um, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> no, it's or they're, um, they're great. Lily Tomlin's character on the uh, Ernestine. Yes. <laughs> No, they're it's a great. They're great. They're very responsive. So well, no, that was quick. That yeah, was about so what? Far, that so was good probably about that, yeah. for sure. I mean, we're uh, it's about forty five minutes. We were about a little after ten when yeah. we got cut off. Well, you almost gone. can't respond faster than that. No, not really. you know it's almost impossible. You know, almost impossible. So, thank you. So, but um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who wins the line of scrimmage. Wisconsin is not as good on the line of scrimmage as they've been in their glory nope. years. Nope. And that gives me hope. But like you've said, Iowa just goes up there so often and just lays a major oh egg. Oh, my God. I just, I've seen, well, the last four. I mean, we did happen to win one of them, but the last four times have just been ridiculous. Yeah. And yet, at least you have your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Are they Iowa or Wisconsin fans? Wisconsin. Do they rub it in? No. No. Okay. Those are good friends. I mean, we all know that it's ever since the Big Ten West has been here, usually the team that wins that game is, you know, has a best path to winning the West. Yeah, usually, yep. And this year looks like it's shaping up that, shaping up that way again. Yeah, pretty much. And because um, like Minnesota uh, – there's, Didn't Michigan just blow the door fifty-one to ten or something? And Flex said it's the best team he's seen in his eleven years of a, as a head coach, um, um, and that's you know that's quite a compliment. But I think TJ PJ is also trying to sort of explain why they just got their asses handed to him. Minnesota's not very good this year. No, They've taken a major sure step back, and uh, like I said, uh, Nebraska may end up being the third best team in this division. 
We're second. And Iowa's game at Nebraska is not going to be easy. Oh, my God. I mean, no. there hasn't been an easy game against Nebraska for, I mean. Pat, let's be honest. None of these games are going to be easy for Iowa. No, I'm even thinking None the Northwestern game is going to be tough. Now, Northwestern almost lost to Howard. And that's was Howard, that Moe or Howard, Shemp? No, it was Howard Sprague. I mean, it, oh. it was 23 to 20. <laughs> Howard Sprague almost beat Terrible Northwest. character. You didn't like his character? I no. didn't really. No. Remember when he went to the Caribbean? It was ridiculous. I, you know. They were they were trying to teach you a life lesson that hey the 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 the, the busy schedule the hectic yeah. life that's really what that really what makes you go that was their lesson. What was Howard? Was he like a t- travel agent? No, or something? he was the city clerk. Was he? And he got yeah. burnt. They showed him punching the same um, paperwork, and he got tired with it. And he saw some special on TV about moving to the Caribbean where life. And he went there and he bought a little hut, and then he got bored. <laughs> Hello. I tried your phone. It works. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We're now, back. what do you think of Ohio State? Do you think they're as good as they have been? Um, not maybe not quite. No, no, I don't think they're as good uh-huh. as their great teams. No, but they're still better than anyone in the West. Because it looks like they've always had a little bit of trouble with some of the teams that they've played at the beginning, and then they come back. Yeah, I mean, what they end up winning thirty-seven, seventeen, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think. I, but Maryland started off in the first quarter. Score. Yeah, but Ohio State still won by twenty, so it's business as usual. Yeah, and uh, Wisconsin isn't as good as they are, but then I don't know if we are either. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm wondering, uh, <clears throat> did you hear any more of those uh, fire, uh, fire Brian? Uh, I didn't hear that. I just heard a little booing. Very few. I heard not in our, the section where we were by, but over the section by the band. I heard them. Okay. I mean, the band we, was booing? <laughs> No, they were saying fire, Brian. The band, the band was the saying. Band. <laughs> the wow. Band was the not... section by it. Oh, the section harsh. by the band. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> would be right. Or someone will fire them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, let's let's hope that we can get something going because I kept wondering when we don't catch some of those passes, is it because they're thrown too fast or because we just can't catch? Combination. Yeah. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, carry on. And, Thank you. Thanks, and we'll Carl. Talk to you later. All righty. Bye. But yeah, it's a combination of things. Yeah. It's throwing too hard. Receivers drop. Receivers not getting a lot of separation, so the windows are tight. What'd you do if Deacon comes out and throws five touchdown passes, three hundred and seventy-nine yards, wide receivers with seventeen catches and three touchdowns? I'd probably crap my pants. <laughs> but you'd stay there. But I'd stay there until I got the story filed <laughs> for the sake of our readers. Yeah, no, I would just be happy if Deacon completed one or two touchdown passes, threw, completed 60% of his throws, had no turnovers, and threw for 150 to 200. I, I don't, think, close I don't think this is going to be a huge statistical game on either front. No. I, Tory like I said, I, I, oh, excuse me. Tory Taylor has named Big Ten. Special teams player of the week. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, let's here I'll give you let's see what Tory did. This is an update on Tory. Tory punted six times, which is a lot of it punts says, against Purdue. Yeah, it is. For a forty seven point three average, had a long of sixty, two were down inside the twenty. So that's just a typical day at the yes, office. Yes, it is. For Tory. And I'm actually surprised. He's had better and not been Awarded. I wonder if there maybe there wasn't a lot to choose from this week because that's typical for Could Tory. Be. It is. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and that's a concern next year. Uh, yeah. I know they supposedly have a Wisconsin or another Australian phenom coming in, but until he does it, you don't know. No. 
And are they going to hit lightning in a bottle two times in a row? We'll see. Well, don't they have like nine Aussie punters in the Big Ten this year? Maybe not quite that many. I think many. it's seven, eight altogether. One's from New Zealand. Yeah, because somebody sent me the information. Yeah, one is from, one is from New Zealand. So eight, eight, seven. So yeah, so that's over half the that's half the conference, and that's going to continue to happen. Because I think these these Australian guys are like, man, there's money to be made. Yeah. Man, this kicking, I can go to America and punt and not have to get tackled like you do in Australian rules football. I mean, there's times where a punter has to make a tackle. Like Tory made one yeah. when that Sheffield made a couple nice returns. He did. And that one, he got he wigged and wagged his way through all those defenders, and luckily Tory was able to no, push him out of bounds. He was a good player. No, he's a good player. Yeah, he had a couple nice catches too. So, I mean, I mean, Purdue, there's – they're, a, they're definitely a team that's transitioning. They don't have the type of personnel to fit what this guy wants to do. But they had a chance to win that game. Yeah. I mean, it was 20-14. to 14. Yeah. And it was a close game. But I know, did I ever feel like Iowa was in serious danger of losing? No, I never did. No, I didn't either. Whereas Saturday, I probably it'll be interesting if I feel like there's ever a chance that Iowa has a serious chance of winning. I mean, and like Don said, it, they need to start fast. It'd be nice to get an opening. You think they're going to get that opening drive and go march for a touchdown? Um, I would like to think that that was conceivable. I would like to think so too, but it probably won't happen. No, I mean, I just. But if Deacon has one of these games where he's like nine of twenty-six or what, it's. I mean, it's. I don't see any way they can win, unless they run for two fifty. I mean, well, if they do that, then they might not throw, have to throw the ball even twenty-six times. Yeah, I mean, right? he threw the ball fourteen times in the first half, and um, only he only threw the ball seven times in the second half. So. They gave him a chance in the first half. Like Brian Ferentz gave him a chance to make some plays. You can't say that he hamstrung him and just played not to lose because they didn't. And that touchdown pass to Eric All was a thing of beauty, it was. man. It was. And you saw how excited Deacon got on that one. I think he gained some confidence on that. The problem is, is Wisconsin's going to recognize that play now. So now you really have to execute it because you're not going to catch anyone by surprise. Right. So, but I don't know. It's just it's the story with the offense and – and I, I think the critics are being somewhat, what's the word, reserved right now because you can criticize them all you want, but they're still 5-1. and one. No, that's right. Oh, the, the detractors will be out in mega force if we lose to Wisconsin, and especially if we don't look good. Oh, yeah, if they lose like 13-9, to nine, it's going to be ugly. Yep. It's, now, if they lose like 34 to 31, then think people will be like, what the hell happened to our defense? Obviously, they, yep. they won't be as, uh, as mean towards the defensive people because the defensive people have credibility. They've built it up over, over the years. But I don't see, I, like I said, I'll be surprised if Wisconsin scores a lot of points on Iowa's defense. What if we win 27 to 10? If Iowa win? Yes. Then, um, depending on, uh, now, are you, what, two defensive touchdowns? In a sp- it depends on how it happens. I mean, if they yep. win 27 to 10, fans are going to be ecstatic. But if it takes a Cooper DeGene pick six and a and three field goals and a, def- and a uh, special teams touchdown, the offense will still be ripped. Yep. It'll be an example. People will be, see, this is, this is our problem. Here we are. We win this game against an okay Wisconsin team but with no help from the offense, but this is why we can't beat the really good teams. That's what the narrative will be. Well, and from my end, my answer to that is we are 6-1. and one. Shut up. Oh, that's what I think a lot of people – a lot of people say, yeah, we're 6-1, and one, we've beaten nobody. And we had a one chance to beat a ranked team, and we got our asses kicked. That's what the naysayers well, that, are going to say. Well, and most everybody would have gotten their asses kicked that night, I think. 
Oh, I don't think Michigan State. or Ohio State would have gotten their uh, No, there. I said most teams, not Michigan. But yeah, Ohio but those State. are the teams that Iowa needs to aspire to be. Oh, I agree. I mean, Kirk's in year 25. I, I mean, agree with you, but we're not fours, there. The eight and fours and the nine and threes for some people just aren't good enough anymore. Well, fair enough. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I, I'm just going by the feedback I get. Okay, we're going to win the West and then go get beat in the and go get beat in the. Big Ten Championship Day, what, go to another Outback Bowl? Well, that probably. So, probably, yeah. Or the Citrus Bowl. Or the, or... Yeah, and go 9-3, and 10-3, and three, whatever. That's probably what's going to happen. And probably. it's up to you to decide if you like that or not. I mean, but you, ha- you have to be aware of the fact that it's not going to get anyone fired. Right. I mean, but I think some fans are to the point, I don't know how much of a percentage it is. There's some fans that want people fired after 9-10 and 10 right now. They're just, they're fed up. They're well, just, there's some people that are done with the They're just the done with the furniture. Yeah. They're just done with it. And that's their right, but you still have to be realistic about what you hope can happen. And I mean, Nick Saban ain't coming here. No, Nick Saban's not coming here. Um, and some of the Alabama fans want him fired. Well, and um, we know from the caller last week, P.J. Flex under a lot of heat at Minnesota, and this is really his first disappointing year yeah. since he rebuilt the program. And so, but, but yeah, I mean... And then I saw everyone's like, well, we got to hire Chris Kleeman. Chris Kleeman just lost Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah. Didn't Oklahoma Kansas, State looked pretty good. They, but they're not very good. They lost to Iowa State. Yeah. So what I'm, just, what I'm saying is it's so easy to just think that something else is going to be better. And um, we've seen with Iowa coaching searches in men's and basketball and football, the main top-tier coaches don't pursue this job. They no. just don't. And I still think some fans thinks, thinks that will happen now. I mean, Brett's got to worry about Illinois right now. Brett's value is going to – if Illinois ends up going 4-8 this year, Brett's his, – his stock goes, goes way down. Well, look what's happened to Matt Campbell's Well, exactly. Stock. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't hear his name mentioned for any jobs uh-huh. anymore. Nope. You know, so it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, I don't see any way Iowa's going to win fewer than eight or nine games this year. I just – barring major injuries and flukes, I just think the schedule is so – Favorable. Favorable that it's just going to happen. Well, and yeah, and the West teams are so bad. This is as bad as I remember any division being yep. in the Big Ten. Legends, leaders, I don't remember. I mean, even Don agreed with us, and Don usually tries to give as much benefit of the doubt to Big Ten teams, but when you said that eight are not they're not. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota's not very good. Illinois is not very good. Michigan State's not very good. Purdue's not very good. Indiana's Rutgers not very good. Is, Rutgers, uh, Indiana's not very good. Northwestern's, Northwestern's not, very, not good. very good. And and they're not. I'm not. They're not even average. They're not very good. Those teams no, just aren't very right. good. Yeah, it's, and that's why Iowa has to take. Michigan advantage State's of it. not very good. No. What did I just hear? Nothing. I'm just posting. What hawk fanatic thing we got? Did we mention Purdue not being very good? Yes. No, and I don't think Purdue is very good right now. No. And I think a lot of these are four and eight, five and seven type football teams. I think you're going to see a lot of teams in the conference finish six and six, five and seven. Uh-huh. And so and so we'll see. But so far Iowa is taking advantage of its schedule. They, they lost so, the game so that far. we they lost the game. Everyone thought they would lose. Now I didn't think they'd lose it the way they did. I mean, they were terrible. They didn't fire a shot, but um but that still counts as just one loss. You don't get two nope. losses if you get blown out. You just get one. That's right. Well, anything else? No, it's 11 o'clock. Karn got her call in. Got your phones back up. And it looks beautiful outside. It does. What's, yeah. the, what's the temperature now? Uh, 54. My computer said 63 an hour and a half ago. So my computer must be wrong. 
Yeah, that's sixty three. Yeah. It had sixty three before I came in here. No, maybe uh, that is that the high today. Weather Channel says it's fifty five. What's the high today? Uh, sixty. So it's only going to okay. Then there's something wrong with my computer, because it usually has the accurate temperature. Uh, maybe it's location, or I mean, where you're. I don't know. Is there somewhere the right in Iowa location? that's ten degrees warmer than where I we? <laughs> we're talking about southern Iowa where it's tropical. <laughs> Are you Down trying the, to blame Brian Ferentz for your computer No, problems? I'm not. This has nothing to do with Brian Ferentz. Is, are you saying it's Leon, Iowa? It's down there? It's like 80 down there in yeah. Leon yeah. by the Missouri border? <laughs> you ever been to Leon? I have not. How about Lenox? I went to no. A, I went to a rodeo in Lenox one time. The only time I've been to a rodeo. Why? Um, friends. I had no choice. No. Yeah, I'm not a big rodeo. Why? Are you, you a big rodeo fan? <laughs> oh, my God, no. Yeah, I'm not a huge rodeo fan. Nothing against them. That's just no. not my thing. I, you know, I it would be my first rodeo. I, I watched it before. Yeah, I've never watched Rodeo on TV. Yeah. How about the movie Radio? Have you seen it? No. With Cuba Gooding? Cuba Gooding. That was a good story. It's a true story, too. I mean, uh, that was a decent one. So, but All right, everybody, have a good Monday. And like I said, I think we'll get some good news on Noah Shannon here. That'd be great. Kirk made it sound like he'll announce something tomorrow. That, that would, would be good. That would help. Noah. Yeah, it would definitely help. All right, Molly Suter is next. And HawkFanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.